Welcome to the Paranormal News Insider for the week of July 21st, 2020, and this is officially episode number 444, if you're keeping a score at home, and this is your host, Dr. Brian D. Parsons, and we are live on the Paranormal King radio network at ParanormalKing.com. Uh, this week, we've got some interesting news, again, from all over the world, like we typically do here each and every week. Uh, we're going to start it off in England, and we're going to go to Florida. I mean, you can't have a bad story coming out of Florida, can you? Of course, this headline doesn't say Florida Man, uh, but it has to do with the kangaroo. So that, that uh, tells you all you need to know right there. Uh, we're going to go to, uh, well, we're going to stay in Florida for another story. We're going to go back to the United Kingdom, and we're going to go to Thailand to talk about ghost hunting shows. And the question here is, should they be controlled by the government? Hmm. Give us something to talk about there. We're also going to talk about the uh, the comet. I don't know why I've not talked about Neowise, the, the comet. So we'll talk about that a little bit. Later on in the show, we'll also have the book of the week, an unprecedented move I've made this week and a decision with the book of the week. It's, uh, ah, man, get your seatbelts on, get your trade, trade tables up and in uh, flying position because we're about ready to take off here on July 21st, episode 444. Uh, now, you know, I've talked all year long about conferences, conventions, and it's been a complete and utter disaster uh, for conferences, paranormal conferences, paranormal conventions, Bigfoot stuff, and UFO cons, and everything going on. Everybody seems like the, the latest trend now is just canceling everything and putting it on in 2021, and uh, we've uh, seen a few more. I'm not going to bother to go through the lists anymore it's pretty much uh if you got anything going on between now and probably the end of august it's probably more than likely going to be canceled unless it's an outdoor event or very small event uh but as always uh, i recommend that you go to facebook uh go to twitter wherever wherever social media outlets that uh, the promoters pretty much are hanging out on and find out what's going on with this event. Uh, and be careful about putting money down for anything for this year. And I, w I would honestly say next year as well. I mean, uh, I, this isn't going anywhere, folks. Uh, this is just kind of, especially here in the United States. I don't know about other listeners around the world, but here in the United States, this is a mess. Uh, and a mess is a nice way to put it. But anyway... Uh, keep your eye on the events page. I try to keep that updated as best as I can. I haven't been on there. I don't think I've actually been on there in a couple of days. Uh, but anyway, we're going to jump in to the paranormal news. We're going to start off encrypted news as we do each and every week. And, you know, it, I think I've covered more Loch Ness Monster stories this year, probably even last year, 
Then I have Bigfoot stories. And, you know, 2020 has been a very slow year in the Bigfoot field once again. Uh, not a whole lot of news from the big furry guy this year. But there seems to be uh, something changing here with the story out of the United Kingdom. So 19-year-old Ellie Marie Whitby from Runcorn, which uh, is – I've never heard of this. It's the first time I've ever heard the word of Runcorn – uh, it's just east of the Liverpool area. Uh, now, she's come forward. I'll, I'll go ahead and spoil this, this story here. Uh, she's come forward to admit that she's hoaxed videos of herself purportedly being chased by Bigfoot. She also claims that she uploaded a video to several U.S.-based Bigfoot believers groups who confirmed that the video was legitimate. So... Yeah, she faked a video, and people here in the U.S. on some social media pages said that it was legit. It definitely was Bigfoot. Um, but I do have uh, – let me throw a picture. I got I got a whole bunch of pictures today. It's like a little photo album tonight's, on tonight's show. It's one benefit of being here live in the chat room. Appreciate everybody that's in chat tonight. Well, I appreciate you if you're not in chat. Come on. Let's be serious here. So here's a little clip here in the chat room. You'll see a little image of uh, one of her videos. Now, obviously, this is a, a kind of I, I call it cookie cutter Bigfoot stuff. Well, other words usually, but uh, every video is pretty much the same. You see these creatures. There's enough trees between you and it that you can't make out really what it is. And it's always walking. Um it's either walking left to right or away from the person. And then what happens is the person freaks out. Sometimes they freak out and they turn around, and they run away and you see their feet. Well, that's pretty much what she did in this particular video. You'll see a Bigfoot walking by and all of a sudden she screams and you can hear her running away and the camera is just watching her feet and then it cuts out. It's very typical uh, cookie cutter type thing that uh, you see in a lot of these Bigfoot videos. And yes, fake uh yeah so she said uh about these uh bigfoot believer groups uh she said quote my favorite response was from one guy who said ellie i can say with 100 percent certainty that this is a forest being unquote now i've done a little bit of research uh, but i was really unable to find which bigfoot group she uploaded the videos to i mean i belong to quite a few of them some of the bigger ones, not all the bigger ones, but uh, I've not seen it pop up uh, anywhere that that I hang out or that I've looked at. I uh, wasn't able to find new stories of Bigfoot sightings in the places she claims, uh, but uh, the local newspapers did cover it. They, uh, they did talk about Ellie's uh, hoaxing in the area. But then again, I didn't put in an all-out effort to find evidence of it. it it's I don't know. I, I kind of get upset about these Bigfoot hoaxes. Well, I get upset about any hoaxes because it really takes away from the potential of anything really being out there. I mean, we have to sit here and, and talk about break down these hoax videos or whether or not stuff is real or not. But uh, Ellie ordered a suit online and then convinced her mother to dress up as Bigfoot and creep through the forest. Now, I don't really recommend that especially here in the United States. You're just really asking for trouble uh, in many, many ways. 
it might be a little safer out there in the United Kingdom. Uh, she basically stated that since she couldn't travel and because of the lockdown, she was just bored. Taking a page out of the earlier Loch Ness Monster photo story, uh, Ellie is into freelance film and entertainment and has a YouTube channel where she films, acts, and edits various skits. So you remember the Loch Ness Monster um, photo, basically, I don't know if you call it a scandal, but uh, the hoax where this guy claims, well, I'm not very good at photoshopping. Uh, meanwhile, he's a uh, photo editor, uh, very very good at Photoshop, actually. So he kind of lied about it and basically used that story, got out in the public. I'm pretty sure he probably got a, a nice job out of that. And I think Ellie is also trying to get her name out there a little bit as, as far as being a, uh, a filmographer, an actress, and, and an editor. I have to say that her videos are very well edited. Well, she's got that going for her. Uh, one of the latest videos was uploaded on July 11th, and it was titled, quote, Rare Bigfoot Sighting 2020, unquote, which was obviously, uh, if you watch it, it's an obvious parody of uh, Bigfoot Sighting from beginning to end, showcasing the suit that was in these other videos uh, very close up. And um, got some pictures of that as well. Pretty cool. And it's it's amazing, though, you, when you look at the suit, and you're like, well, that's obviously not real. Uh, but when you put it in the wooded setting and it's uh, far away, I mean, I've seen plenty of videos that actually turned out to be black hoodies and sweatpants that look like a Bigfoot out of the woods. So it doesn't really take too much to uh, persuade our imaginations to... Uh, Fool her own self. So this this clip here of her and her little get up uh, with the Bigfoot behind her is it's a kind of a parody video. It's it's making fun of, um, kind of making fun of people who believe in Bigfoot a little bit there. Um, but it's it's kind of funny and it's not really serious at all. And it's again it's her mom chasing her through the woods. Um, so in that video she attempted to prove everyone wrong with a sighting, but she was ultimately captured by the creature after a silly chase through the woods. It's, uh, but again, it's pretty, pretty well edited. It's actually a really good, uh, a really good video. I mean, for the quality of her editing alone, I thought it was like four out of five stars, four and a half out of five stars. Uh, but yeah, now she's received worldwide attention and free advertising from the story. And I'd, I'd say faking news stories for attention that's pretty much the new style of getting famous. So the, the old YouTube star, you know, that method of creating fame, that, that's done. That's old. That's so 2015. Because now people, uh, they're faking news stories to get, uh, to get attention. I think that's the new thing that we're seeing a lot of people do here nowadays. Uh, so, again, while I couldn't find evidence of her claim of fooling people, I do not doubt that looking from her short video uh, that some people were fooled by it. Pretty sure. Because it's, again, it's pretty cookie cutter. It's pretty similar to a lot of these other videos. And a lot of people will say, well, people don't react correctly. You know, they don't scream. They don't run away. They'll just stand there 
and film and they don't move. They don't go anywhere. Where normal people would probably either A, freak out and run away um, or freak out and run away. That's pretty much, pretty much how most people would react. And a lot of people will claim, well, I would do something different or I'll run after it. I'll do – yeah, no, you won't. No, you won't. Um, but in her video, she, again, she's, she's a good – she act, practices acting. So she's an actress. And she's got the uh, running away scared thing down pretty good. It's, it was pretty convincing when I heard when I heard that part. But uh, I already knew that it was fake because I'd already read the story. So not that I would have believed it anyway. But again, I can see how some people might have been fooled by this. Um, in all honesty, yeah, I didn't believe it one bit. But videos like this have essentially, like I've said, copied and pasted pretty much for decades. And you can blame the Patterson-Gimlin film. You know, it's still debated. Is it real? Is it not real? Is it real? Is it not real? It's been going on a long time. So people use that to create their own videos. And uh, if you can't disprove it, then it must be real. That's what people think or that's what they expect you to think. And um, so there, as long as there's a debate over these things, then these things, these types of videos will continue to be posted uh, forever here on, on YouTube and Facebook and uh, other social media sites. But what's interesting to me uh, is the reaction of the people, especially in the comments section of the YouTube, Facebook, and other social media sites when they're talking about these videos. So depending upon the site, you know, if it's a pro Bigfoot Facebook site, uh, you're probably going to have a lot of people supporting the sighting. But there's always going to come somebody uh, come along who's going to say, you know what? I question that video. I don't think it's real. Um, and then you'll have other people that'll jump into and, and doubting it, saying it's fake. And um, some other social media places, you may have more people come say that it's it's fake, and then a few people who believe in it. And yeah, you'll have people who are will be without a doubt, or they'll they'll you know chastise other people for making such a quick decision to say it's fake. It's it must be real though. Because my my position on my, you know, my opinion is never wrong. Yeah. Um, but is this how videos of purported creatures that are not proven to exist should be discussed? You know, I've, I've had this discussion with a lot of people. I've talked about it when I've been on uh, other people's shows. It's, it's something that, you know, we need to, we need to kind of step back sometimes. And, and think about how we react to these videos and, and these uh, photographs and things. Because I don't think we should. So in dealing with ghost, cryptid, and UFO cases, um, we're many times presented with photos and videos that supposedly suppo support these sightings. But a good researcher will examine those separately from other data gathered, along with statements and other physical evidence. Uh, so I might not believe a sighting. You know, at all. But then again, I might believe the person who said, hey, look, I really saw this. I might believe in them. But then they give me a photo or a video, and I might not believe it at all. I don't think it supports their sighting. Um, but if one relies on the other and the video or photo, I can pretty much say that's not what you think it is, then it's going to blow the whole thing up. Um, but I won't hinge a case on a photo or video alone, so it's not going to validate anything. Um at all 
I've seen a, a lot of clever fakes of ghosts. I've seen a lot of clever fakes of UFOs and of cryptids over the years. And again, the same should go for videos posted on social media. It shouldn't be a case of whether it's real or not real. And that seems to be where uh, everybody sits. You know, gosh, I think that's real. I'm not sure if it's real. Maybe it's Photoshopped. Maybe it's fake. I don't know, CGI? I don't know. Maybe it's real. You know, nobody really realizes there's a lot of gray in between all that. I mean, we can add hoax to the mix again. Uh, the story about Bigfoot. Uh, these videos were hoaxed. And a lot of stuff, probably a majority of the stuff that we see online are hoaxed. And it seems to be that uh, it's part of the culture, of, especially of Bigfoot and of UFOs and, and even ghosts. A lot of people think that all this stuff is just stuff that you're just supposed to fake videos and fool people with. It's just something you do. You know, people on the outside and the fringe, uh, not people who are actively listening to paranormal shows or speakers or read books. And, you know, maybe they watch the occasional ghost hunters on TV. Um, so while real and fake, you know, you can consider those kind of like bookends. So it's one end to the other. Again, there's probably a lot of gray in between, including hoaxes. The video might be a hoax by the person filming it. And it could be intentional or maybe even unintentional, or they might have been hoaxed by somebody else. You know, maybe somebody else is trouncing through the woods and trying to fool somebody. Or again, they might have realized this was actually a person in a suit or assumed so uh, and posted the video. Or they might have been completely fooled by it. Maybe they didn't realize it was uh, uh, just somebody hiking through the woods uh, wearing a, a black hoodie. And they just thought, oh my gosh, it's Bigfoot. The video could be misinterpretation. Uh, I've seen plenty of videos and photos that were just stationary tree stumps. I've seen some that were bears. Uh, a lot that were people. And it could be a lot of other things that are just taken into the context of Bigfoot. And again, usually they'll come up with a story to support that photo. And a lot of times when that happens, that story can come, come crumbling apart when you start looking at the information that they're telling you. So... If one is presented to support the other and you can d demolish one of the other, then the whole thing comes down like a, like a house of cards. It's, it's pretty simple. Um, but again, it's not, is it real or is it not real? You know, there's a lot of, you have to consider all the data. Um, so when, uh, this is kind of where the person comes in. So when somebody submits a video photograph of potential evidence, that's just another piece of data, just like their statement. You know, the same holds true. If somebody says they saw a ghost, it makes no sense to me just to wander around the dark saying, here, ghost, here, ghost, talk to me, ghost, and then ignore that living person. But that's what we do. We ignore the living person who had that interaction instead of trying to figure out their story. And if maybe something else could explain it, we just completely assume it's a ghost. It's confusing sometimes. Uh, when people pay attention to the people behind these videos, behind these photographs, this is when things are unwound quickly. And I go back to the Loch Ness Monster photograph. It's a clear reminder of this. And, uh, you know, the great work of Roland Watson basically outed Steve Chalice, who took the picture. And a lot of people, a lot of people still believe that photograph was genuine. 
And so without a doubt, Photoshop, the evidence was there. Boom. Right there. And uh, you don't see a lot of people talking about that. You didn't see a lot of news stories coming back and saying, hey, remember that uh, story that a lot of people clicked on and we sold a lot of advertisements for? Well, it was fake. Because they're not going to do that. Because they got what they wanted from it. So sometimes uh, the media can work against us as well. And you see a lot of that. Uh, I get really upset about the United Kingdom media, the Sun, the Telegraph. You know, they, they post pretty much any story that is belief-based, but they don't do the work behind it like I do. Sometimes to read the whole story or find out where it goes. And they don't give you the answer or when it's fake or a fraud or a hoax, you don't hear about it. From them anyway. Uh, so the Loch Ness photo case also underlines the motive of some people behind these as well as their reactions. So Chalice claimed he thought it was a catfish and they had not photoshopped the picture. He claimed it was explainable and wanted opinions. So he never came out and said, this is the Loch Ness monster. He just says, hey, I can't explain what this is. Can somebody help me? But he did post it on an anomalous website. He didn't post it on a nature site or a fishing site. So to me, the attention, the intention of fooling people was there. He set it up. You know, if he would have put it on a fishing channel and said, hey, I can't figure out what kind of fish this is. Okay. Uh, but no, he went right after an, an anomalous web page on Facebook. Uh, so a little bit of research discovered the chalice was a digital artist. And further research found the actual catfish that was in that picture. But uh, I do have to give props where props are due, and it, it does take an adult sometimes to come forward and admit when you've hoaxed people. Granted, I think this adds to her uh, credibility as, a, as an actress and a filmographer. Is that the right word, filmographer? Uh, it is now. Um, but sometimes it, it's really annoying that people will fight to the end and say, no, I didn't fake that, even though the evidence is there. Like, I never heard from Steve Chalice ever again. Don't know what's up with him. Uh, he got caught, but uh, you didn't hear him going, yeah, you know what? I got caught. And uh, there's a link to that story in the chat room. Went a little long on that story, but I, I just get passionate about these fake videos and people that knee-jerk reaction saying it's fake or the knee-jerk reaction saying it's real. Who cares? It's not going to prove anything. What What's real is, is the story behind it. And when you can take that person... And you can take that story and you start digging in. A lot of times it'll dismantle everything else. So anyway, moving on away from uh, Bigfoot and uh, fake pictures. Let's go to some real stuff. Let's go to some real animals. And the sad news, uh, we have an arrest. A kangaroo was arrested down in Florida. You know, the craziest stuff happens in Florida. And I've, I've been to Florida enough to, to tell you, yeah, that's definitely true. Uh, last week, I talked about a wallaby in the United Kingdom, which I think is a really cool story. But this week, yeah, kangaroo in Florida. And uh, he got in some trouble. So a kangaroo was rounded up by the Fort Lauderdale police. Sounds like my life story a few years ago. Uh, in the morning of Thursday, July 16th, the kangaroo was eventually arrested 
I, I'm serious. He was arrested. He was grabbed by multiple cops and thrown in the back of a cruiser. I saw the video. I'll show you a picture in a second. Uh, yeah, and put in the back of a squad car. I mean, it wasn't handcuffed. It wasn't tased. Uh, but it did have a leash on it. And uh, was well, it wasn't really a leash. It was more like a, I don't know what it was. Um, but it was cleaning itself in the back of the cruiser. And you don't believe me here, I'll show you a picture in chat. I mean, it looked like it looked like he was arrested. I mean, four or five cops wrestling on this thing. I think that's it. Let's see what happens. There's one picture. Uh, the event was covered by multiple news stations. And uh, believe it or not, it was even covered by the air. There, so there was helicopters there filming this. Pretty, pretty cool. An all-out effort to film. It must have been a slow news day in Florida, but uh, pretty cool. There's the air from the helicopter there. Uh, so police had uh, asked camera operators to move back as they attempted to get the kangaroo in the back of the squad car. And, you know, one of the things is, uh, obviously, police officers are not equipped to handle kangaroos. And they can be pretty unpredictable and sometimes violent. As can be kangaroos, I suppose. Uh, I've seen those guys box. Cops and kangaroos. And I wouldn't dare get in the ring with either one of them. Yes, as data points out, kangaroo lives matter. They do. Surprised no one's uh, down there with signs protesting. Uh, luckily, this was a young kangaroo, so it didn't have those big... You ever see those videos of those guys with the big arms, those kangaroos? Man, they're tough looking. Uh, but this was a young young guy, uh, young male kangaroo, around two years old. And his name was Jack, which is funny because that's kind of a another name for kangaroos down there in Australia, Jack. Uh, obviously, kangaroos are not native to Florida. Yeah, believe it or not, uh, let alone the Americas. And this was uh, obviously an escaped pet. Now, the owner of the kangaroo uh, was the one that called in to police uh, when he had realized that Jack had escaped. And uh, he was not charged for not having a permit. It's against the city code to keep wildlife, such as pets, including exotic animals, as pets. Uh, Anthony Macias, the owner of Jack, again, who was the one who called police, uh, he said, quote, I was taking out the recycle bin and I didn't shut the gate all the way. I guess he just punched his way through, unquote. Well, I guess he did. Uh, he also stated that the kangaroo was not harmful and that its best friend's with his pet Corgi. After a short stint in the city slammer. Yeah. He was in a slammer. You don't believe me? Look. Throw a picture of that in there too. We're singing songs I heard. That's what the news story said. Uh, so here he is. In the slammer. Look at that. He's in the slammer. He's got his hands on the bars. Like let me out of here. Well, it wasn't really the, the uh, city slam. It was actually the stables where they keep their horses for the department. Uh, the kangaroo was taken to the South Florida Wildlife Center. Uh, always a good ending for kangaroo stories. Not always for alligators and such, but uh, good news for kangaroos. Yeah, you don't expect to see a kangaroo 
running around uh, South Florida like that. Expect to, to see anything else, pretty much. Anything from a bear to an alligator uh, to a, a crazy guy with um, no clothes on, pretty much. Uh, any point in time in Florida, anything can happen from a downpour to a crazy person uh, running around naked. Speaking of running around naked, let's go to UFO news. And we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to go back to Florida, or I guess we're not leaving. The Gulf Breeze UFO sightings back in Florida, back in the fall and winter of 1987 are really one of the most popular groupings of sightings in the United States. Now, the Gulf Breeze sightings were mentioned in the X-Files, as well as many other television shows discussing UFOs. Uh, Innisfree Hotels in Pensacola is celebrating the events of 1987 by revamping their existing tiki-themed mini golf course. It's a great way to honor UFO sightings. Uh, they're changing the theme and adding an arcade, an ice cream shop, always a good idea in Florida, as well as aliens. Jason Nicholson, vice president of Innisfree Hotels, I actually worked in a hotel that did paranormal conventions in the Pensacola Beach area and understands the history of UFO sightings and the worldwide draw it created. On the UFO and alien-themed mini golf course, Nicholson states, quote, In the 80s, we were certain we had UFOs and golf breeze. We thought it would be fun to uh, have a reminder of golf breeze and Pensacola Beach's history to harken back to the time when we had UFOs. It was a whimsical, fun spin on things. Unquote. Uh, construction went on over the winter, but obviously 2020 has not been very kind to the tourism industry. Uh, I guess even for going out for mini golf, let alone going outside uh, due to COVID-19, obviously. Uh, despite the mounting cases in Florida, Nicholson states uh, that measures are in place, such as sanitation practices and social distancing. Uh, so they're open. On mini golf, he states, quote, what mini golf does, it brings people together in a fun environment. What we found is when they have fun together as a group, it creates a peak experience that they remember and want to come back to. You can only sit on a beach for so long before you have to go do something else, unquote. Well, <laughs> I disagree. I could sit on a beach all day long. It doesn't bother me. Um, but I couldn't agree more with, yeah, sometimes you do get bored with the basic things and you got to go do something else. And, you know, what brings people together? Things like mini golf and, well, aliens, for that matter, uh, as well as an alien-themed Mini golf course. What a great idea. Short of thought of that myself. Um, and I, but I do. I, I hope this attraction gets the attention and traffic it, it does deserve. And uh, I can tell you, I've got many memories of playing mini golf down in Florida. Granted, a lot of them were alcohol fueled, but nonetheless, uh, I do have memories of them. So it couldn't have been that great of a time in certain regards. But no. Um, it's a very good thing to do down there. It's it's a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, I guess you can't sit on the beach all day long. 
so the course is open from 10 a.m. until 10 p.m. And adult tickets are $13 with children and military pricing at $10. And children under four, well, they're free. Um, what about the Gulf Breeze sightings? Well, um, I don't think I've ever really talked about the Gulf Breeze sightings here on the show, but uh, Gulf Breeze is a suburb of Pensacola. Uh, Pensacola is to the north, and Gulf Breeze uh, is just north of the strip of land that is Pensacola Beach. Uh, the area is close to Pensacola Naval Air Station and Elgin Air Force Base, which uh, at the time added to the mystery and uh, curiousness of these sightings of the UFOs. Like, hey, are they uh, you know, watching the military? What's going on? Uh, and it all kicked off on November 11th, 1987. And a man named Ed Walters, who is a building contractor in Gulf Breeze, began sharing photographs taken in his front yard of what he claimed were UFOs. For the next couple of months, Walters continued to photograph UFOs with some interesting detail and were described as some of the very best ever taken. Uh, he also claimed to have had alien contact and soon after, news of his sightings, many other people began to see UFOs in the area. So it kind of created a little bit of a, of a panic uh, due to his sightings and him claiming that he saw some stuff. I think I got a picture here somewhere. Uh, yeah, here's one of the more famous photographs. I'll throw that in the chat room right there. There's a UFO right there. There it is. Um, so, yeah, after his sightings became uh, newsworthy, you know, I'm sure back then they were you know, laughing about it and, you know, it was giggling. It's, it's probably the last story they talked about, but it's kind of gained some traction down there in Florida. And once it started gaining traction, a lot of other people were claiming to see things. Um, some uh, some big name people down there were, were claiming to have sightings and then. It began to be a tourist thing where people go, were going down to Florida to, to watch these uh, UFOs and became a flap. So the Gulf Breeze flap became national news. And people, again, came out everywhere looking for UFOs in the skies. Now, Walters eventually moved from the area after being scrutinized over his photographs and his accounts of being abducted. Uh, the new owner of his home actually discovered a model of a flying saucer wrapped in an old drafting paper up in the attic. Now, this led to many uh, people uh, putting his, uh, his uh, sightings to rest as a hoax. I mean, he, he faked it. Although Walters claims the model was planted, there's actually a small conspiracy theory behind the model in the attic, which is actually, I think it's helped add to the story. That's made the UFO story give, give it an extra dimension. I mean, what are UFOs without conspiracy theories anyway? Uh, despite this, others still focus on the fact that hundreds of others were reporting UFOs in the area. But was all of this due to the hysteria generated by Walter's accounts? That's what a lot of people think. That, uh, you know, once the floodgates were opened by Walter's accounts, uh, that... Any airplane in the sky or any star or planet was a UFO. And people got carried away. And people wanted to believe and people wanted to see things. 
but we'll never know. So there's a link in the chat room to that story. And, oh boy, this is an interesting story. So a bizarre story out of the United Kingdom. A man named Ben Landrecombe was camping in the United Kingdom when he stumbled upon a strange sight that sent him scrambling back to his camper van. He was walking with his dog around 4 p.m. on Monday, July 13th, about a mile from his camping site when he stumbled upon an area where trees were snapped at the tops and the area seemed to have been flattened. He took a few pictures of the strange-looking area and then suddenly felt eerie. And he began to hear weird sounds, including screams, coming from the forest. He also had the feeling of being watched. So he and his dog quickly headed back to the camper van, and he vowed to never return. He said the area was, quote, spooky, unquote, and he would definitely not return to the site of the downed trees. So what was he thinking was the cause behind the spooky feeling, the voices, the sounds, and the crashed trees? Well, was it Bigfoot? Maybe ghosts uh, of a crashed airplane, maybe? Maybe the airplane crashed, knocked the trees down, and now we got ghosts running around? Well... Uh, big hint here. We're in the UFO segment of tonight's show, so that's a little bit of a of a sign right there. Uh, ben told Plymouth Live, quote, found a crash site in the woods. Could be UFO. I stopped to take the dog for a walk in the woods today as we were camping. Uh, something has definitely crashed here. Look at this. Boom. Weird. Massive gap in the woods, all the trees bent, trees fallen over, massive hole in the woods. Aliens. Aliens, unquote. Uh, Yeah, so Ben thinks a UFO crashed, which caused the trees to break at the top, and I suppose aliens are running around in the woods? He didn't really say that, but I mean, what else is going to be making screaming noises, and what else is going to be watching him from the treetops? Uh, So I guess that's created all the noise. Um, But I'm not sure what to think of this guy. It's kind of a weird story. Um, Now, my thought is, just hear me out, uh, maybe a storm went through. Uh, A microburst will sometimes cause this sort of damage. I mean, sure, there's some sort of logical explanation, but a UFO crash, I suppose, isn't out of the question. Now, the area where this happened... I don't understand. The story says he walked a mile through the woods. But there's not really a square mile of woods anywhere in that section of the United Kingdom. Uh, there's not any large areas of wooded spots in this part of the UK at all that I can see on the maps. Um, so I don't know where he walked from, uh, but he walked into a small patch of woods. And maybe he's not used to being in the woods. It's kind of my thing. Maybe he got a little spooked out because he's not used to uh, seeing these sorts of things. I suppose. Uh, I don't know. But uh, I think anything from a microburst, possibly to a disease of the trees or anything else. But uh, nobody really seemed to offer any logical explanation. But that's my thought. Um, That or he's just crazy. It's just crazy. Maybe. I don't know. 
there's you know there's I'm sure there's crazy people United Kingdom somewhere. Uh, so I'll throw the link to that in the chat room and, and fear not if you're listening to me through all these links in the chat room and these photographs and such. Uh, don't don't worry because if you're you know, maybe following the show, that would be a good thing to do. If you're listening to the show, I hope that you uh, follow the show and you follow the show uh, on Facebook, Paranews Insider. So facebook.com forward slash Paranews Insider. You can just search for it. I'm sure you're very knowledgeable about Facebook out there. Uh, Twitter at Paranews Insider. Both of these sites are kind of hooked together. So when I do post on Facebook, it does appear on Twitter. Because I know some people like one, some people like the other, some people hate one, some people can't stand the other. I get it. Social media wars. We all have our favorites. I get it. Um, But that's how you're going to keep in touch with these stories and uh, send out some of the the best links to some of these stories that include videos, photographs, and uh, generally – it, generally, you, have, you follow the trail down to the original story, pretty much is what I do, and get the original story because that's before it's been diluted. It's been f- before people add things to it or take things out of it and shorten it up. Um, but it uh, depends on the story, I suppose. And I like doing that work for you guys because I want you guys to know the truth about these stories, no matter where that takes us. You know, unfortunately, a lot of times it, it uh, takes us down the hoax path or the crazy guy path. So it all depends. Um, but again, I let the story do the talking. You know, I don't just sit here and give an opinion. You know, I do a little bit of research behind it. So question in the chat room, what happened to the polls? The polls, the paranormal poll. I suppose that's what the question's for. Uh, the polls are still up. I haven't changed anything. I haven't checked them either. Either? Either? Wait. Either, uh, so I haven't checked on them, but the, the polls are still there. Uh, I plan on trying to add something fairly soon when I come up with something, and we'll change that. But uh, yeah, the polls are still there, as far as I know. Somebody hacked the website again, so they should be there. Nothing really exciting to to vote on at this at this point in time, but I like to leave those up there because if I get more votes. Then it makes things a little bit more interesting. I know some of those votes were pretty tight. And uh, one of those poll questions, I'm trying to uh, finish a, uh, a little paper on, a little blog post on that spot. Uh, are there experts in the paranormal? That's a long debated question, especially in the ghost field. Uh, but I have my take on it uh, when I get that done. All right, so let's move to ghost news. And, you know, I always find it interesting to, uh, to see what other people think or what other countries think of ghosts. Not to mention ghost television shows, for that matter. Because, uh, you know, not all TV shows are the same around the world. Ghost TV shows are a little bit different uh, in England and Australia than they are in the United States. And they're certainly different in Thailand. So a recent poll in Thailand shed some light on how many in that country feel toward the subject of ghost hunting television shows, which I found very interesting. That's why I did a, a little segment of it here on the show. 
Uh, I don't normally do this, but since this is a very short story, I'm actually going to read exactly what they've written on this um, in this story. But I, I guess I'm allowed to because it's a translation from Thai to English, so it's not like I'm going to get in trouble for reading it. Uh, and I had to clean it up quite a bit as well. So uh, the story reads, a, a large majority of people are of the opinion that television and online shows of ghost hunting and the supernatural should be subject to control by government agencies to prevent people from being deceived, according to a survey by the National Institute of Development Administration or a NIDA poll. Uh, the... Uh, Again, and that's the National Institute of Development Administration. It's like a, a college that uh, dictates. They have a bunch of experts there that uh, dictate certain things. Kind of like our, uh, gosh, what was that thing when we started banning music and everything's NC-17 in the movies or rated R or PG, all that stuff, and parental parental guidance on music and stuff, all that, all that stuff. Uh, anyway, the poll was conducted on July 13th and 14th. Of 1,256 people aged 15 and over of various levels of education and occupations throughout the country to gauge their belief in people who claim to be able to contact and communicate with dead people. Uh, now, this followed a controversy over a television show which featured mysterious or untold stories about ghosts and the spirit, spirits of dead people. Uh, and again, this is in Thailand. I don't know what happened. I couldn't find any information on uh, this controversy. Uh, but I don't think ghost TV shows have been going on there as long as they have everywhere else in the world. Uh, so a majority, 54.94 of the respondents said they never watched shows of this kind on television or the Internet. While 45.06% said they did. When those who do watch such programs were asked if they believed the stories in the show, 37.46 said they were skeptical, and 33.04 said they thought the stories were made up. That's almost uh, 70% that are skeptical and thought they were made up. On the other side, 23.67 said they believe them to a certain extent, and only 5.83% strongly believed the stories were true. Gosh, if we did that here in the United States, I think that would almost be reversed. Uh, asked whether they believed there were people who could contact or communicate with spirits of the dead, 30.1% said they were doubtful. 34.32% said they were sure it was nonsense. And on the other side, 25.08% leaned toward believing that some people had such abilities and 10.19% strongly believe such people existed. Uh, the rest, 0.31% uh, had no comment or they weren't interested. 10% strongly believed. And this is so crazy. I mean, it's almost the, the people of Thailand are, I don't know, they're more woke than, than people in the United States, I think. Because I think that would be opposite. I think, like, majority of people would believe all that stuff is true. Uh, asked whether the shows should be subject to control 
by relevant government agencies. 72.69% said control is necessary to protect gullible people as the number of shows of this kind is on the rise. 21.58% disagreed, saying the shows are for entertainment and people should view them with discretion. And 5.73% had no comment or were not interested. Um, so should the government step in and uh, control these shows? Because it could fool people into thinking that this stuff is real. That's crazy that, uh, that uh, you know, Thailand, it seems like they have it uh, together thinking about this kind of stuff. And here in the United States, we see anything paranormal related on TV and we automatically think it's real, even though uh, if you were to actually read actually what happened and then you see what the producers have done, usually it's nowhere even close. So the real story may be there, but what you see on TV is completely different. But a lot of people believe in it. So I thought that was an interesting story. Um, statistics don't lie. Well, sometimes they do. The statistics don't lie, but it's the, your interpretation of them sometimes that can. But uh, I thought that was an interesting story of looking at how other countries view our stuff. So uh, I don't know if you'd be able to – anybody read Thai out there? Well, I'll put the link in there and uh, maybe. I think this is the one that should be uh, – I think this is – Translated is the word I'm looking for. I think that'll work. We'll see. Uh, yeah, so interesting stuff. And, and talking about ghosts, you know, I mentioned this earlier this year. We're talking about the Halloween season coming up. And I'm kind of excited because I've seen a lot of Halloween stuff where I work rolling in. So it's already here. It's like not even August and a lot of the Halloween stuff is coming in. Uh, getting put out. Granted, back to school takes up you know a lot of the shopping stuff right now, but uh, you know <laughs> that's up in the air too. Are kids going back to school? Or are they not going back to school? Are they going back to school? They're not. Go Nobody knows. We hear a lot of stories that uh, some governors in the United States are saying uh, they're going to go back, whether they like to or not, and the teachers are saying no. But uh, whether you like it or not, Halloween's coming. And I've been talking about how uh, COVID-19 might impact haunted houses. You know, I've been talking about that for a couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, it's a big industry. And it's really one of our, I wouldn't say it goes back too far, but here in the United States, culturally, it goes back, you know, about 100 years or so. So it's not like hundreds of years, about a, not even, well, about 100 years or so, and the haunted houses basically started in people's garages and became a, a large industry. And unfortunately, that industry is suffering, like a lot of others are, because of COVID-19. And it seems like every couple of days, uh, there's another attraction that announces it's not going to be open for the 2020 season. Uh, I read a couple, uh, Twisted Crypt Haunted House, the only attraction in northern Illinois, voted an Illinois top 10 haunted house in each of the last seven seasons, has announced that it has suspended the attraction for the 2020 season due to COVID-19. Uh, Haunted Hayrides of greater, greater Rochester, New York, has canceled their hayrides for the season. Uh, 
Sad. So, uh, you know, maybe in your area you're going to get uh, haunted hay rides or haunted houses, but, uh, you know, I keep reading more and more that aren't. And uh, let's see. Oh, yeah, Neowise. So, real quick before I run out of time, I really wanted to talk about this. And for some reason, uh, last week I didn't have time. I had it here. I had a little note to uh, talk about it, but uh, I didn't, couldn't wedge it in. Didn't have time. Uh, so, Neowise. So, I've seen a lot of pictures popping up online. And this comet is uh, pretty much one of the better observed ones in recent history. Actually, I think it is the, the best observed one in recent history since uh, Comet Hale-Bopp back in, what was it, 1997. That was a crazy one. when people were killing themselves over that. Uh, much better than the fabled Halley's Comet back in 1986. What a flop. What a flop. So, question in the chat room. Is trick-or-treating canceled for the first time ever? You know, it's not not beyond the realm of possibility. I mean... I heard one of the most uh, mind-boggling things that I've heard all year. Uh, this year, I hope, hope you're sitting down right now, because if you're not, you're going to be. Uh, so this year, 2020, all Walmarts will be closed on Thanksgiving. I know. Scary. Weird. Uh, so trick-or-treating canceled, it's possible. I haven't heard anything yet. Uh, I'm sure uh, it's not looking good. I mean, kids wear masks anyway, right? Social distancing, trick-or-treating, I don't know how that's going to work. Uh, so back to Neowise. Uh, if you're in, in the Northern Hemisphere, you're going to have a great chance to see this comet uh, tonight. So uh, it won't be long. Um, it's going to disappear. It's going to slowly rise in the sky higher each night, and that's going to disappear. Now, uh, more than likely, this is going to be your only chance to ever observe Neowise because it's not going to return to Earth, or at least Earth's view, eh, for about 6,800 years. So unless you can freeze yourself and uh, thaw yourself out in 6,800 years, you're not going to see it again. I'm sure we'll see other ones, uh, but this is a pretty good uh, opportunity. So the comet is quickly making an exit, or should I say NASA puts it, uh, the comet is practicing solar distancing. I didn't hear any laughter. That's okay. Uh, as it makes it a getaway from the sun. So Neowise was just discovered on March 27th of this year. And we'll be the closest to Earth on July 23rd. Then that's it. It's gone. It's going away. Uh, but don't wait. Uh, as the moon is, uh, was a new moon, was it last night? So it's going to continue to get brighter over the course of the next couple of days. And we will uh, wipe out the chance for most of us to see it under typical conditions. Uh, pending cloud cover or light pollution, you should be able to see Neowise by looking northwest just after sunset uh, and it's pretty uh, it's not near you know not near the uh the ground you know your uh, horizon line but a little bit above that uh if you're able to spot the big dipper the comet should be right under the uh the cup part of the big dipper does that make sense 
Uh, you might need binoculars to help block out a little bit of the light as well as to uh, focus a little bit deeper in the sky. It's not for all of us going to be able to see it with the naked eye. Uh, you'll more than likely only see what appears to be like a fuzzy star. But if you're lucky, you actually get to see the long tail of the comet. Um, but yeah, it, it, you see a lot of these pictures. Now, a lot of the people that took these pictures, they didn't actually see the tail of the comet. They only saw that after they took the picture because, you know, the, the frame being open a lot longer caused more light to go in. So they're able to see the uh, more light. So there you see the Big Dipper and uh, the little July 15, July 23rd. So it's a little bit lower. So that kind of gives you a little bit of perspective as you're looking northwest just after sunset. So just above the horizon line, uh, you'll see the uh, Big Dipper kind of scooping itself out of the northwest sky. And uh, just below, well, just to the left, I suppose, underneath that cup, you're going to see the uh, Comet Neowise. I'm going to go out after the show. It's still a little light out. Eh, it's cloudy here, too. Yeah, I hate Ohio. Um but not just that, at night, you'll be able to see it. Also, in the Northern Hemisphere, if you're up early, if you got cows, you like to milk the cows, I guess. I don't know what you do if you get up that early. Uh, about 45 minutes to an hour before sunrise, you're, uh, you'll have to look low, just above the horizon in the northeast. And it's going to appear below Capella, which is the sixth brightest star in the sky. Uh, you'll see the same thing. Probably a fuzzy little... Fuzzy star, but sometimes it's a little darker in the mornings because uh, lights are turned off and whatnot. So you have, sometimes you'll have a little bit less light pollution in the mornings uh, to see it. But uh, yeah, here in Northern Hemisphere, we only have a few more days. July 23rd is the peak, and then after that, it's going to start climbing in the sky. And the, where it starts climbing in the sky is, is when it's going to disappear in light pollution. It's also moving further away. It's going to start getting smaller. Um, so get it while you can. Uh, let's see, uh, a link to NASA on that one. So I'm going to throw that in the chat room quickly. And last but not least, tonight's book of the week. Yes, I got a book of the week. Uh, it's a new, it's a new precedent, something I've never done before. Um, You know, usually I take a book of the week as something that I've read. I can speak to, I've read it, uh, and I'm suggesting it. I'm recommending it that it's a, it's one of the books that you need to have on your bookshelf or you at least need to read. Um, but this one I've not read. But as a matter of fact, not many people have read it because it's today is a brand new release. It comes out today, and that book is called The Unidentified. Mythical Monsters, Alien Encounters, and Our Obsession with the Unexplained by Colin Dickey. I got a picture of that. Uh, actually, let me throw the, I'll throw the Amazon link in there, the chat room. You can order this book as of today. Uh, there's nothing. I get the link actually in the, the box before I click on it. Um, yeah, today you can officially order it. You could have pre-ordered it yesterday. And it's a brand new book, and it's I'm kind of excited about this. This is uh, on my list of books to buy. 
uh, which I think I'm down to like, I don't know, 40 books I want to buy. Yeah, it's probably close to 35 at this point. Uh, but there's the front cover of it. The Unidentified Mythical Monsters, Alien Encounters, and Our Obsession with the Unexplained. So uh, by Colin Dickey. Uh, Colin is also the author of Ghostland, An American History and Haunted Places, which was released back in 2017. And if you love firsthand accounts of ghostly encounters, you will love that book. I do remember reading a little bit of that one uh, as well. And I did get to read part of this. So there's a Smithsonian article on this book, which I'll post a link to that as well, uh, that he wrote, which is has an excerpt from his book about Bigfoot, which is a really cool story. Um, but uh, Colin is also a cultural historian. So that kind of gives you an idea of where this book is going to be. It's going to be centered on the stories of monsters, UFOs, aliens, and it's going to be tied into what the why behind our beliefs. Uh, but reading the Smithsonian article, uh, the book has a lot of promise for those who believe or those who want to understand why it is that we believe. Uh, so again, the unidentified mythical monsters, alien encounters, and our obsession with the unexplained by Colin Dickey, the book of the week this week here on the Paranormal News Insider. So question, do the first first-hand accounts make it true no not necessarily there's still stories uh, but it's much better than uh, my cousin's best friend's uh, car mechanic down the street says this uh, so you know documented accounts uh, told or written down uh, are much better in my opinion than you know third or fourth-hand accounts or folklore or something passed down uh, through the months or years uh, but again, doesn't necessarily make it more true. It just makes it more interesting uh, because you never know what people en encountered. You don't know what they saw. You don't know what they're, you know, they interpreted something their way. I mean, you can't tell them they're wrong because it's their interpretation of what they experienced. So they might have seen something that wasn't what they thought, but you can't tell them that it wasn't real or they didn't experience anything. Uh, but this book is is probably going to be, I would say, a little bit more skeptical than believe, uh, like a believer book. But uh, some of the stories he's talking about with Bigfoot and and uh, I'm sure there's a lot of good UFO stuff in there as well. It's going to be interesting as as to how he balances this stuff out. But again, it's tied more to the cultural aspects, which I really enjoy. Uh, say it kind of goes along with. Uh, it's a book. I know I had a book similar to that in, um, in my list of books somewhere. Oh, uh, yeah, The uh, Paranormal Who Believes, Why They Believe, and Why It Matters uh, by Eric Good. I remember that was uh, a book that we talked about here. So, you know, sometimes it's interesting to kind of contemplate or to think about, you know, why do we believe in this stuff? And uh, why why does this belief, you know, it's 2020. We have science everywhere explaining everything why do we still believe in these mythical monsters and these uh you know aliens I, I would say uh the more time goes on you know a lot of people believe that you know being more advanced that we are we have a higher chance of uh seeing something so i don't know uh, but it's gonna be an interesting read i hope to get my hands on this book in the next few weeks 
and uh, read it. Uh, but hey, I think it's cool. I came across an article and I read it and I really liked it. So I thought, you know what? Why not? Let's go for it. Let's have a book of the week of one that I've not read as of yet. So that being said, I appreciate everybody for hanging out tonight, listening to the show, and uh, we look forward to next week. And don't forget, get outside. And I'll see you next week. But for now, keep your eyes in the skies and be on the lookout for Neowise. Hey, that rhymes. Uh, keep your ears open in the woods, the hair standing on the back of your neck. And always keep your mind slightly ajar. And above all else, opening day is Friday. And don't stop believing. For the Paranormal News Insider, this is Dr. Brian D. Parsons reporting.